Stuck on Sport. I'm your host, Jim Lowton, and today I've got Brendan O'Carroll and Jordan Paraskevers here with me. Welcome, boys. Cheers, Jim. Thanks for having me back, Jim. We're going to have a chat to Collingwood's very own Braden Sire, and after that we're going to get stuck into some of the match reviews and give some of the GLS Player of the Year award votes. It's going to be a good show today, eh, boys? Yeah, it'll be good to hear what Braden has to say and keen to get into the Port game. Yeah, Jim, some fantastic games on the weekend. Uh, I'd love to see how you call them. Yeah, I thought the, the Port Adelaide showdown game was one of the best games of the year. Uh, some really fantastic games over the weekend. A couple of them weren't so good uh, in noting probably the Collingwood and Geelong game and the Essendon and Carlton And the Bombers. Two of the worst games I've seen in the past decade. Up the Blues. <laughs> Definitely a, a lot of upsets as well, as you would pick. Um, hard to pick the 50-50s this week, so... Yeah, the, the the people who picked eight or nine did really well this week. All right, we're going to get stuck into the interview with Braden Sire and then we'll be back after with the match reviews. Enjoy the interview, Jim. It's my pleasure to welcome Collingwood's very own Braden Sire to the Stuck on Sport podcast. Welcome, Braden. G'day, Jim. How you going, mate? Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, well done for the win yesterday on the VFL Magpies. Held on to a four-point margin at the final, final siren to beat the Cats. That was a good win. Yeah, um, they gave us a bit of a scare late. Um, a few nervous moments, but yeah, we ended up getting the job done. How'd you go yourself? Um, yeah, not bad. I um, started off pretty well. Me and the boys, we got off the fire actually. We kicked seven goals in the first quarter or something, so we played really well early. And then I got boot started in, um, late in the first quarter. And I got like open up a big gash on my quad, and then I about two minutes later I got a knee in the exact same spot, so I was running around on one leg for the rest of the game, but managed to get through most of it, and yeah, held on at the end. Yeah. Oh well, it's um, good you got through the game and got the win for the Pies. We'll go back to the start and um, sort of work our way through for your footy journey. When did um, football start for you? Can you share with us like your first memory of Aussie rules where you started playing as a kid? Um. Well, same as. Probably a thousand other boys in Melbourne. Um, just uh, started off playing Oz Kick, and obviously my old man played, and just wanted down to the local footy club, play with my mates, and then all the way through school, and that just enjoyed the atmosphere of a footy club, you know, playing with all your friends and that, and then got to about 17 or 18, and um, started to think this would be alright if I could do it for a job. So I guess took the opportunities that were presented to me. I played well, well enough, I guess, at the late part of my year 12 year and was lucky enough to get selected with Collingwood. Yeah, it's fair to say you were a bit of a later developer in your football, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I only played the last two games in the Knights in the under-18s Tac Cup Carnival. So yeah, late bloomer. For the Collingwood supporters that haven't seen you in action yet because you've only been in the VFL so far, can you describe what sort of a player you are? Um, I think just... Things I like to model my game on is just being smart with the ball in hand, I guess, and not making mistakes, I think. But um, if you can have 20 to 25 touches and pretty much 80% of them be all effective, and I think that's my go, just nice and simple. I don't 
try to do anything too outlandish, but um, just be strong over the ball and get it going forward for the boys. Very good. Uh, so you're very much a midfielder, clearance in an, in an under player? Yeah, yeah, I reckon. When did getting drafted become a reality for you? Was it more towards the end of that 2015 season when you uh, started playing well for Marcelin or when uh, you started playing in the Knights? Um, it was probably... I played, I think, well enough for most of the my year 12 year at Marcelin, I think, and it sort of... I remember it was in the school holidays um, in August, I think, um, of that year when the uh, teacher, the teacher or the coach of the side at the time said like one of the Collingwood recruiters had been visiting the games and said they'd been looking at one of the boys so um, I remember after that training session he came up and he told me that they were actually interested in me so it sort of became more of a reality in my own head like that this could actually like um, actually get going I think so from that point in, I think I just didn't really change anything but I just thought in the back of my mind it was like sort of excitement I guess and the fact that this could actually become a reality so but, um, yeah, so I think most of that year, even before the nights, I was just, I don't know, doing... was always, like, never really was in any of those development night squads and anything, and sort of just sort of... Um, actually, I got asked a question by the um, recruiters at Colin when they said, what like, what do you think, what did you think when you weren't getting picked for this and that? And I just said, um, I was just thought I'd let the, my footy do the talking for me, so I didn't really worry about it too much. I think it was my outlook on it that year. That's uh, good. You end up getting drafted by Collingwood, obviously, at pick 32 it was, I think. Uh, as Collingwood's first pick in, in the draft, you took on the responsibility of Peter Dacos's famous number 35. Did that hold extra pressure and weight for you in your debut season? Um, I remember getting the call from Eddie on the draft night, and he told me that, and I... I think my first reaction was I said, I think I swore, I think was the first reaction I said. So, um, I don't think it, I didn't really, to be honest, I I was really happy and I thought it was pretty a pretty big honour to wear the number 35, but I don't think it put any um, pressure on me outside of it. I mean, I was just so worried about staying on the track and not getting injured all the time, which was a bit of a dampener for the first couple of seasons, but touch wood, that's all behind us. After you took on the famous Collingwood number 35, you got given number 36, another very famous number handed down by Dane Swan. What was that like? Um, yeah, it was, they gave me a, a choice. I think it was four, four or five numbers available. And I thought, first thought was I didn't have to move far in the locker room. So yeah. I, I um, just moved one up, Swanee's old locker. And um, yeah, I had to... I know it's a good number, I guess, a famous Collingwood number, but um, Locker's not too great. He left it busted for me. It's the um, one of the the hinges on the doors is hanging loose, so it's um, the door on the locker doesn't really lock. So it's it's um, yeah, it's to be expected, I think, from Dane. <laughs> does that, that doesn't surprise you much, does it? I, I wouldn't imagine. No, nah, he's a he's a good dude, and he he doesn't say much too often, but when he does, he's a funny funny bloke and good enough bloke. So. That's just how he is, I guess. Were there any players that took you under their wing in your first season at Collingwood or, and since? Yeah, um, there's a lot of good blokes down there, obviously. Um, I mean, blokes like who just recently retired, like Jesse White and that, and even Brody Grundy now are just really good, have good wise heads on their shoulders, I guess, and tons of dudes down there. But I think it's more of like a real team mentality. I think everyone supports each other, and I think I wouldn't, couldn't put it down to one person. I think it's just a good bunch of blokes.
It's pretty fair to say, I, I think, that your first two years of the club have been very injury-riddled. Uh, how did you handle this, Hulk? Because I don't think you've been very injured in your younger years and then no. finally you get to the big time and uh, yeah, all things um, start coming down. Yeah, well, the first two years have, haven't been haven't gone to plan exactly, but I didn't at the time. So I just sort of thought, well, I'm here at least, so I'll just get like just next day. What am I going to do the next day to get my to get right? And then just took it day by day. I didn't really think big picture too much. That could be that could be ignorance, I guess. But that was just how it's been, I guess. So, but now I've had a pretty good run in it the last couple of months and feeling as fit as I ever have. So. Onwards and upwards, as they say. Yeah. Over this pre-season, you took a, bit, took a bit of a different approach to your training over in Bali. Can you share with us the, uh, the training camp that you did over there? Yeah, um, I did like a... I just thought I wanted to get away for the break, but I didn't want to um, come back the start of the pre-season as a um, overweight or anything. So um, I thought, what can I do to get away but still stay fit? And I heard of this Muay Thai camp um, that my girlfriend's brother has done before and it was sounding pretty cool so I thought why not jet over there see part of the world and get some pretty interesting training in so did that for a week and came back and to be honest it's probably the lightest I've ever felt when I came back yeah that, that leads into my next question do you feel this is the, the fittest you've ever been in yeah. your time at Collingwood especially yeah 100% easily I think um, still got a bit to go obviously you can always get better but this is easily the best I've ever felt um, do you feel that's helped with uh, injuries? Yeah, 100%. Um, I never really got the soft tissues, but um, just more more so has helped with like how I pull up after games and how I go during the week handling loads. and Yeah, so because um, I never really had any of the soft tissue injuries, but just I think in day-to-day life, just being fitter has helped so much more. Just like pulling up after big training weeks and just... Yeah, games and games you don't uh, find yourself uh, healed over, hands or knees as much, but which is good. <laughs> yeah, your, your form of reason's been really good to start the 2018 season, and I've noticed you've been in the emergencies a few times a lot lately. Uh, how close do you think you are to an AFL debut? Um, well, hopefully close. I, um, I've been hopeful the last four weeks, four or five weeks. I think it has been a pretty good start, but... Obviously, I'm ready when they call upon me, but um, yeah, just fingers crossed. I think I'll just keep playing good footy in the uh, down at the VFL and should worry about itself, to be honest. So, yeah. Who do you talk to about um, that in selection? Is it the coach Nathan Buckley? Is it the VFL coaches? The assistant coaches? Um, yeah, a bit of everything. I think it's more of a feel you get. I mean, they talk to you about how what they want to see from you, um, how you're going, what you can get better at. So it's more of a feel, I guess, with how they're talking. Um, and I, I have been like told that like it is around the corner, but obviously I just needed an opportunity, I guess. So yeah, with selection and that, I think it. Um, I'd, so I'm probably not the one to ask because I'm not the one that chooses the side. So um. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, the Collingwood side, the VFL side, has been very good to start the season. They're currently yeah. sitting in second on the ladder, um, even with some significant injuries in the AFL. Uh, what do you put the success down to so far? Um, Joe Rivers, the coach um, for the VFL, is big on um, big on like the culture. I think down in the twos and yeah. everyone that comes back down in the twos is really good and is really good mates with all the boys coming through the VFL. And I think we've got a really good group of senior boys from the VFL group, 
like uh, Jack Hallier and even Gussie Borthwick, who's only 21 or 22, but just those leader blokes that like create a really good atmosphere. I think in the twos, it's a good fun atmosphere. Everyone's playing for each other more so than it has in the past, probably. I think um, it's just a good team. I think there's a real good team feel about it, and I'd be surprised if you found that at many other VFL clubs that are AFL affiliated, to be honest. Um, so I, I just think. Everyone's, everyone that comes in and out of the side is buys into the culture, I guess, and is there to play good team footy and everyone gets a turn. And, yeah, I think it just it's going, it is going really well, actually. Yeah, you've been having guys like Daniel Wells, Jamie Elliott, Alex Casolo playing in the VFL for a few weeks now. Um, Daniel Wells obviously played in the AFL yesterday. But do you feel having those guys in the VFL team has assisted your development and the development of the other younger players? Yeah, having um, smart footballers around you definitely, definitely helps you. I think Wellesy, Wellesy's such a is a good motivator. I think, and obviously you can tell he's played footy for a long time, and he's got all these little tricks and that, and he helps the boys out. And blokes like uh, Bill are great with their voice, and Fazzy are great with their voice, and can really lead by example as well. Um, and doesn't hurt when they kick four or five in a game. Actually, helps you win a game often enough. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good help, isn't it? Uh, I have to mention your Twitter nickname, the Unicorn. <laughs> uh, how did this name come about? Did I don't you... know. Um, um, I think my dad showed me when um, when I first heard about it. I think the I'm sure you probably know that the the name was what was it behind it that he doesn't appear often or something, but yeah, when he, he does, it's he was so, yeah. He was so um, you were out on the park so little in yeah. the first two seasons that. They thought some of the Twitter followers thought you might have been a myth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's all in good fun though. Cause, yeah, uh, didn't I, mind I it keep actually. There's a few gifts on some of the the Collingwood VFL Twitter mm. pages that uh, come up, and every time your name is mentioned, they put the the unicorn gif up. There. <laughs> it's good fun for them. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for joining me, Brayden. It's been a good chat, and uh, I really hope that you get into the AFL side soon and start um, knocking down the door. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you very much. Uh, and that was Brayden Sy, everyone, uh, of the Collingwood Football Club on Stuck on Sport. Love sport? Then get stuck on sport by following us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to the Stuck on Sport channel on Wooshka. Don't forget to get involved in the podcast by replying to our page and ask questions that you would like answered. And welcome back to the main segment of the show. Uh, cracking interview, Jim. It was really good to get some insights from Bray there. Yeah, you gave me a lot of information that uh, looking into a young AFL player that hasn't quite uh, cracked the team, but it was really good to see uh, that Braden's in high spirits this year and uh, looking to crack into the side. As a Magpie supporter, I am keen to see him get onto the field. That should be good when he does. Sure, it's been a couple of weeks where he's almost gotten the team, so you'd think he'd probably be in soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the to the match reviews now. The first game on Friday night was a cracker, albeit in freezing cold weather. The Hawks 10-11-71, defeated by Sydney 12-7-79. Defeated by Ben Ronke. Yes, much, really, yeah. defended by Ben Ronke. He was fantastic. Sorry, boys, he? it's actually Ronk. No, 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 it's it, Ronke. It, no, if, if you happen to watch the Roaming BT after the game... His last name is actually Ronk. However, he cops Ronky more because of the E, and his nickname is Ronky, but his last name is actually Ronk. His nickname's Ronks. So we're going to keep calling him Ronky. So call him Ronky, but just to know that it's Ronk, according to Brian Taylor. 
Ronky. Yeah. Ronky. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Ronky. Uh, what were your thoughts, Jordan? Well, I thought it was a great game. Ben Ronke, there you go, I said it for you. Ben Ronke played Ronke. a crack. He had a fantastic game. Seven goals, ten tackles. That's the first time that a player's ever done that in a match, I think. Yeah, where did Sydney find these players from? They just come from nowhere and he's playing his third game and kicks seven goals. I don't know, but it's good to see that the Swans can perform well even when it's not the Buddy Franklin show. So kudos to them for their young forwards, their small forwards are getting the job done. And it's lucky they had Ronke as well because if he didn't kick seven, um, they would have lost by a bit because they only won by eight points. Yeah, well, they only kicked 12 goals for the entire game, so he kicked over 50% of their goals. Uh, I thought Luke Parker was really good as well. He got off um, to a flying start, and then late in the game he had... He he almost got report. He got he did get reported, and then what did he get was, reported for? Uh, for uh, uh, bumping bumping Jam and Impy, and but he would Michael Christian in the match review lotto uh, didn't give him a suspension because uh, apparently he doesn't weigh more than Impy. That is fair. That's that is fair. fair. That's how it works these days. Well, if you actually look at the replay of the bump itself, I know, I, know yeah. I, I agree with the decision. But I'm just um, making fun of the whole. Uh, Nick Nat and everything. We didn't get a chance to comment on last week because we didn't have a show. Uh, but yeah, I just thought the Nick Nat Nui decision was bizarre. And then when they put this in, they made the right decision, but I don't know how they come to it. Yeah, had Impy not actually touched the ball, which actually flicked it between um, Parker's legs, he would have actually collected the ball and not his head. So really un- unfortunate to collect Impy's head in the bum, but you know, it's good to see that. The MRO knows what they're doing in terms of accidental ones like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we'll get straight into the votes just because, uh, you know, it was a pretty straightforward game. The, the Hawks were really good early and they got off to a good lead. Then Sydney came roaring back and uh, ran away with it in the end. Well, um, a few, like quite quite a few players actually had a handful of goals. I mean, you had Will Haywood who scored three, Luke Bruce who scored three, and Jack Gunson who scored five. So had Ronke not scored the seven, there would have been a lot of other players to talk about in terms of collecting a lot of goals for the teams. I mean, like, really good contest. Um, but, Jim, you had the votes for this game. How did you see it? Yeah, I had. Uh, I gave the one vote to Luke Parker. I thought he uh, had a really good start, maybe a bit of a lean patch in the middle, but uh, in the last quarter was really good, really good late, and he kicked, I'm pretty sure he kicked the goal to put them in front. Uh, before. So the second last goal of the game, and I thought he was really important, so I gave him the one vote. Uh, two votes to... Jake Lloyd having a fantastic season so far. Yeah, huge game. Uh, 36 disposals, 24 kicks. Uh, he was just enormous. At, at 72% disposal efficiency as well. So I thought he was fantastic. Um, and I gave the three votes, obviously, to Ben Ronk because Ronky. he was just... <laughs> ben Ronke, because he was just a class above, really. I mean, when you kick seven goals in today's game, that's just a Lost class. 10 marks yeah, in, a was, third, in a third game. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. So I gave him the three votes. Bit of a fun fact for you, Jim. Uh, ben Ronk joins Buddy Franklin, Adam Goods, uh, Barry Hall, and Tony Lockett as the only Swans player to kick seven goals in a game since 1999. It's pretty good company, isn't it? Yep. All right. The next game we'll we'll be looking at for this round is GWS eight thirteen sixty one defeated by West Coast twelve. 14-86. Look, this was always going to be a good game. I'm surprised with the result because I thought the Giants at home would, would be a bit too strong and the Eagles without Nick Nat this week, I thought they might be a bit vulnerable in the middle with Lobb coming back into the team. But um, Eagles just too good. They got their job done. That's it because um, 
Because GWS still have a very good midfield, even with Kelly out, with Green out. Um, so they've managed to do all right with those players, but it's just West playing a very all-round game this year. They've got um, some fantastic scoring power yeah. at the moment, don't, don't they? Uh, Waterman's chipping in with goals. Jack Darling, we all know the form he's in. He kicked four goals, three. And when you have J- Josh Kennedy kicking just two goals, one, and beating GWS, you know things are going right. Actually, well, a loss in this game has actually pushed the Giants to ninth spot on the ladder. So they've actually been bumped out of the eight for the first time in a long time for them. And the Eagles solidify their spot up in second. Yeah, with uh, GWS's injury list at the moment, it's hard to see them coming back and uh, making it into that top four. I'm sure they'll push it again because they're just such a talented side. But West Coast, they've just been fantastic this year. Yeah, really, really good year by the Eagles so far. So, Jordan, you had the votes for this match. How did you see it? Well, Jim, uh, this is a tough game to vote on, actually, because a lot of players had a really strong game. I gave the one vote to Callan Ward. He had the 30 touches uh, and kicked a goal as well with three tackles to his name. Look, he played a strong game when the game started to get away from the Giants. He kept trying his, his hardest, tried to affect the contest as best he could. Uh, he just needed a bit more help in the end, it seems. I gave the two votes to Elliot Yo with the 28 disposals, had... Eight tackles and three marks. Played a really strong game coming off half-back and really adds to that the uh, the engine that the West Coast Eagles have. And finally, I had to give my three votes to Jack Darling. He had a pretty good game, Jack Darling. He had the 19 disposals, but he kicked four goals, three. Had six tackles and nine marks. So really, really dangerous up forward. I mean, even though it seems as though Kennedy can't seem to fire sometimes... Darling this year is putting together a really good season. All right, so we'll go into the next game. So the next game we had was Carlton versus Essendon. Jim, what were your thoughts on this game? Uh, it was a, just a shocking game. I thought it was a brilliant game, Mate, Jim. I thought it was okay. a fantastic game. In looking at it impartially, the, the skill level of this game was shocking. Like It was, just, it was, it was a terrible the first game. half. Especially the first half. It kind of lifted in the last quarter. It kind of became that sort of Essendon-Carlton rivalry game and the, the feeling sort of lifted. But really, it was just the quality in the first three quarters were just terrible. It was kind of like last year where the quality wasn't very good and then all of the sudden that feeling of an Essendon-Carlton old rivalry came to life and then just on this occasion, Carlton were able to pull forward and, you know, really they just wanted it more. Because the Bombers, the Bombers. suck. They, they, they really do. They're terrible. <laughs> they, they, they do. They've got Shout a out shocking to all- coach and they've got Mark Neal in there being the elite strategist. Fucking Mark Neal. Excuse my language. Actually, no, don't. Who is, don't, 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 is not Mark Neal? Please explain. He's Col- um, Melbourne's old coach who was shithouse. And Collingwood's, you know? and Collingwood's old assistant coach, I yeah, think, during so, the 2010 premiership. So, Mark Neal, he can, you know, he can get lost. You know who else can get lost? The majority of the Essendon team, because yeah, they've uh, gone missing. They are actually yeah. lost at the moment. Shout out to all the Blues supporters out there. We're looking at you, El Borthwick. Congratulations on the win for the Blues, mate. Uh, up the Blue Baggers, 100%. It's good to see a team who's been struggling get a win. Brendo. That's fine. That's a, that's yeah. No. Well, I've got plenty to say because I love the fact that the Bombers lost to Carlton. This is brilliant. I know I, you lo- love the fact that the Bombers lost to Carlton, but in seriousness, it's actually it's a sh- serious issue for the Essendon Football Club. Now. Yes, it is actually. They're in they're in real big strife because uh, the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks, we've been saying they need change. Something needs to happen in the game plan. Players are underperforming. They've got seven All Australians in this side. They need to be playing better. But it's nothing's changing, and 
over the past three weeks, Essendon have been beaten convincingly and the same way over the past three weeks to Collingwood, Hawthorne, and then Melbourne. And only two changes had been made in the three weeks. In they, they played three matches in 11 days. Only two changes they made. So in that time, they made two forced changes. Joe Danaher and Andy McGrath out, both through injury. They didn't make any changes from the VFL team, who won by 11 goals the week before last, uh, 12 goals the week before, and then yesterday they won by 31 points, I think it was. So we've got players performing in the VFL, but they refuse to make any changes. It's just baffling how this is happening. What I don't understand is how they could play so well against Port and then the next few weeks just come out and play how they did because you played so well against Port. Well, it's quite crazy that Essendon have played six sides that didn't finish in the top eight last year lost to every single one of them and have played two two sides that finished in the top eight last year and beat them both in Adelaide and Port. It's ridiculous. Well, the Bombers are just in disarray. So John Walsholt can get stuffed at the moment. Uh, I don't know why they decided to hold on to Danaher. If he's got osteitis pubis... That's serious. I don't know why it's stupid of them to have been playing him for so long with an injury. If he's injured, oh, you know, he's sore, but he can still play. Just take him out. You're going to make him worse, not better. He's by far the most important player uh, to Essendon on their list. So I don't understand why they could possibly Big call. Uh, take it. Well, I mean, look at him. He's, he's an All-Australian. So you look past all the midfielders to say that he's, he's the most important player on your list. The most important player on Essendon's list by a long way. He, Essendon's best and fairest last year, All-Australian, leading goal kicker for the past six years. He, he's by far Essendon's most important and most valuable player. You could be right there, Jim, because the last three weeks with um, Danaher's injury, Essendon have not done very well, so you could be right. But, you know, we can't just talk about how poorly the Bombers have been playing. You've got a shout-out to the Blues, who finally got a game to gel and stick together, so credit to them. I mean, you know, Kerno, Dale Thomas, Cade Simpson, actually the Kerno brothers in general put together a really good... They were very good on Yeah, them. super good. So congratulations to the Blues. It's fantastic. They're just, like, in a scrappy game... They were the better team. They outran you and, you know, credit to the Blues. So, yeah, absolutely to credit to the Blues. They were the better team on the day. Uh, they wanted the ball more and they've, they've got some bright future there. Like it, um, Charlie Kerno, he's a gun he's, and he's going to be a gun for a very long Kicked time. Kicked three goals too. Kicked three goals. Could have been more. Should have been more really. He missed two relatively simple shots. Uh, and their, their future's bright and I'm looking forward to seeing where Carlton go for the rest of the year, because they should win. If they play like that, they should win a few more matches. Yeah, that's right. So, um, in review, get stuffed, Essendon. Jim, you had the votes for this game. How'd you see it? Yeah, uh, I gave the first vote to Dyson Heppel. Uh, his disposal hasn't quite been at the, the heights that it has been, but he, his clearance numbers were very good. Got the 27 disposals uh, and kicked a very good goal. Uh, I gave two votes to Devin Smith. 15 tackles, the most by any Essendon player ever. Uh, 21 disposals was Essendon's best player by a mile uh, is the one player showing endeavour in the Essendon Football Club and three votes to Patrick Cripps he was by far and away the best player on the ground got the most important clearances at all the most important times his centre clearance numbers were fantastic and was the most influential player on the ground there you have it. Well, moving on to our next game now. We had the Gold Coast Suns taking on the Melbourne Demons. Uh, Gold Coast going down to the Demons in a pretty a pretty big scoreline, to be honest. The Melbourne, oh, geez, well, the Demons, 21 goals, 20, 146. 
to the Gold Coast Suns 11-11-77. Brendan, what did you think of the game? Pretty one-sided this game, and you could definitely see the dominance of Max Gorn come out again in this game. He got 41 hit-outs against um, Jared Witts, who's not a, not a bad ruckman. Um, he only got 29 hit-outs, so it was pretty good from Gorn, I must say. What are your thoughts, Jim? Yeah, I thought uh, the the demons were a class above. Uh, they, Max Gorn was unbelievable in the midfield. He gave uh, the the first use to his team pretty much every time. Clayton Oliver was fantastic as well. He's just a clearance bull, and I just love watching him play. Mm. James Harms had 33 touches as well and kicked three behind. So if you could put those into goals, he would have had a massive game. Jesse Hogan with the three goals. Tom McDonald with the five goals, actually. And uh, Mitch Hannon with three as well. I mean, Has he gone forward this season, Tom McDonald, or is he just a backman that's sort of just... Well, he's kind of a swingman. Yeah, he, he swings around both ways. So, But no, he was fantastic, kicking the five goals all before three-quarter time as well. Yes, just a lot of the Gold Coast players just went, yeah. Apart from Jack Martin, he kicked four goals. Yeah, that, yeah, apart from Jack Martin, a lot of them went missing in this game. Uh, Sam Day had a pretty good game, kicked the two goals, but it was actually reported, I'm pretty sure. So it'll be interesting to see if he cops a week. Um, yeah, just... Yeah, no, a bit of a flat game. Just a, just a very dominant performance by Melbourne all around. Yeah. And the midfield, basically. Tuke Miller had a big game disposals-wise for the Gold Coast. He had the 28 touches. Yeah. But, you know, apart from that, not a lot of not yeah, many people stood up. Fritz as well, the, the rookie, he got 26 touches. So he must have... Was yeah, he, he was very good. In the midfield, yeah, he was playing more midfield this, this round it's instead right. of a, um, a marking forward. He actually reminds me of a young Nat Fife, actually, Fritz. He, he's a very clean mark, and I do see him running through the midfield later in his career. Anyway, Jordan, uh, what were your votes for this match? Well, Jim, I gave the one vote to Christian Salem. He had a strong game uh, on the weekend. He had the 27 disposals, four tackles, uh, eight marks, and the two goals to his name as well. So, you know, really strong game this week by him. I have the two votes, Clayton Oliver, as you said. You know, a bit of a clearance freak. His disposal use is so strong. Had the 29 touches on the weekend, and 11 tackles as well, which is the most of anyone in this game. Really big game by him. And I had to give, we don't usually call his name out for votes, but I gave the three votes to James Harms. 33 disposals, super strong game by him, nine marks, six tackles, had the three behinds, like Brendan said, could have had a huge game by him. So congratulations to James Harms for getting the three votes this week. So you didn't give any votes to Gorn? Well, the more I think about it, Oh, look, I, I, I could have given... I could have... could have given him the three votes. You could have given him the three votes. Well, how about I give him the two votes? Clayton Oliver can have the one. Okay, review... No, 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 no. You, get, you can't, you can't change your votes. All right, but... review on the votes. This is an official change. I'm going to give Clayton Oliver one, Max Gorn two, and uh, James Harms is no, keeping You can't three. change your votes once you've given Sailor the votes. Not happy right That's now. it. All right, we'll move on to the next game now, uh, which was an early contender for match of the year... Port Adelaide, 14-11-95, defeated Adelaide, 14-6-90. Brendan, a Port Adelaide supporter, what were your thoughts watching this game? This was one of the best games I've ever seen, I must say. It was super One of the best exciting, showdowns I've it? seen. This is up there with the um, the showdown from a couple of years ago where Mumphreys had a, a right-angle bounce, yeah, which right went into the, oh, yeah. classic. into the goals, and then Wingard took that nice mark at the end to... Um, get them the win. So I think this is the best showdown at the Adelaide Oval now. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think definitely. that's by far the, the best game at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, it was just a fantastic match overall. Robbie Gray took over the match, didn't he? he? Did, that third quarter where he kicked five was incredible. The, like you were saying before the game, there's not enough players that kick bags anymore, besides Ronke. Yeah, but Ronke, actually during, during the match, Brendan and I were watching the match together, and I, I said right before... 
Robbie Gray absolutely went massive. Yeah, yeah at, uh, at halftime I said, oh, we don't get enough players kicking bags of goals and kicking spectacular goals anymore. And then literally after I said that, Eddie Betts kicked a cracking goal and then Robbie Gray went absolutely nuts and finished with six. It was just a fantastic, fantastic effort from him. It was incredible. The, the first half was a lot closer than the scoreboard showed, I thought. Port were, playing, were very much in it, but they just couldn't convert in front of the goals. They were four goals, six at half, when Adelaide were eight goals, three. So Adelaide were just very efficient. Um, Port were getting in it, but they just couldn't do anything with it. And then second half, obviously, self-explanatory. Robbie Gray pretty much got them in the game. And then Motlop right at the end with 20 seconds to go. Oh, that was Clutch. a fantastic Clutch game, goal. Jim and I were on our feet. It was great. Yeah, well, watching watching Adelaide come back, you saw with about three minutes to go, they kicked that one goal, and it almost it, it get, when a game gets to that stage with about three and a half minutes to go, and they're three goals down, it becomes quite silent. People start to leave, and you're kind of like, oh, the game's over now. Mm. And then they kick one goal, and it was still a bit. There was a bit of a murmur around the crowd. They're yeah. like, oh, maybe maybe the game's still on. And then they went again, and then Mitch so, McGovern yeah. with 38 seconds on the clock slots it through. We thought, were, oh, that's yeah. it, game over. Mitch McGovern's won it for Adelaide. But then Port Adelaide, just with through Motlop, he's been, he, his recruitment has been <laughs> justified through that one goal. He's insane. He's harnessing a bit of uh, Daniel Motlop from back in the day. At Absolutely. He, he was a gun. Uh, Brendan, what were your votes on this match? All right, so for this match, it was tough for me to pick the one vote because there were so many players that could have got it for either team, really, but... I gave the one vote to Stephen Motlop, pretty much for his game-winning goal at the end, um, plus 20 touches, of course, so he was involved for the whole game. Um, so he gets the one vote. Two votes I gave to Westhoff. He had 21 touches, six marks and six tackles, and was also very efficient at 76% disposal efficiency. So he was very good. And my three votes I give to Robbie Gray with his dominant six-goal performance and made me feel good about being a Port supporter again. I just gave you a weird look because Westhoff actually had 26 touches. You said 21. What? Yeah. I feel like I said 26. Oh, well, maybe. Fact yeah. check that. Fact check. Look, 26 to Westhoff. Surprised you didn't give any votes to Tommy Rockliffe. He had the 31 touches, actually. So a big game by Tom Rockliffe this he game. He was good, but his impact he wasn't quite there. He, uh, he had the disposals, but I didn't um, notice him as one of the best players on the ground. I thought he got it spot on with Gray uh, and Westhoff and Motlop. Motlop was a bit of a fan vote, that one. That was yeah, a, that I was think, I think uh, there was a, a bit in there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll move on now from one of the games of the year and we'll go to a bit of a, a lower clash. The Western Bulldogs, 16-11, 1-0-7, defeating the Brisbane Lions, 14-9-93. The Brisbane actually put, it, put in a really good show, didn't they? Well, the Lions, once again, showing that, you know, they just need a couple more A-class players and they'll start to win some games. This is another close one that they've just missed out on. Jackson McRae was amazing, wasn't he? The 47 touches. He's just got. A, he's just about the best player in the competition right now. Pretty much, because you've got Tom Mitchell, who's been tagged a few games, so would have lost votes there. He was on track to go for, for the Brownlow votes for the year. But McRae, the past few weeks, he got 47 touches on the weekend. Last week, he got 40 around that, close to it. Um, and it's, it's sinking. You think that maybe he's taken the mantle over Bont for best mid in that team? Because Bont seems to be going a bit more forward now and kicking goals. He get four goals on the weekend. So um, it's good that they have that um, good mix in the mids um, to help him out. 
I reckon Jack McRae is in a bit of a Brownlow hunt at the moment, boys. It's a bit I of an outside, so, yeah. uh, like a bit like a bit of a big call. But in the past few weeks, Tom Mitchell's been a bit more quiet, as has Dusty Martin. So Jack McRae easily has racked up he, six right votes up in the past two yeah, weeks. Yeah, so right yeah, I think I think the leader for this for the Brownlow so far is definitely Nat Five. He, he's still be going very strong. Yeah. The Herald Sun actually has him on 16 votes to this stage in the season. So wow, already. He's a very early leader. I think um, Stephen Canelio is up there he as well. He was, but the past couple... He's been good. A bit quieter the past couple of weeks, to be honest. quiet the past he's couple been, of weeks. He kicked goals the first few weeks. These last yeah. couple of weeks, he hasn't converted, I don't think so. Mm. Dan Zorko, for losing him as well. Dan Zorko is showing how he's just like an A-class player in this competition. And if you don't tag him, he's a danger. The Magpies didn't tag him last week. He had a massive game last week. This week, he only had the 24 disposals, but the four goals. So Dan Zorko is one of the players who should be shown the respect of having a tag each week because he's just that good. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, what were your votes, Brendan? So as Geordie was just saying, Dan Zorko played very well on the weekend, so I gave him the one vote um, on a losing side. So good to get the vote there. Um, I gave two votes to Marcus Bontempelli because he had four goals, which is very good, very efficient, 24 touches as well. And obviously three votes to Jackson McRae, which we now know is Jackson McRae, not Jack. Shortened to Jack, but it is Jackson. So Jackson McRae gets 47 touches and eight tackles. So he was very involved and also very efficient. So Huge game by Jackie McRae. It was fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, the next game we had was the Frio Dockers 13-11-89, defeating St Kilda 8-11-59 in a match that really took the pressure off Ross Lyon after a bit of a turbulent week. It was. It was started off a very boring game, you would say. I know we turned it on. Yeah, they didn't was, kick a goal for about 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Frio just too dominant again, especially at home. They're playing well at home this year. So, um, and Fife back into his 2015 Brownlow medal form, which helps them greatly. So, yeah, 36 yeah. Uh, touches, over 20 contested possessions. He was fantastic. Goal. Uh, 13 clearances as well. He was fantastic. You ever look at the same kill the list, and you actually have to think who there is a danger player or an A grade player for that team yeah. because the I whole. I used to think Jack Stephen was one of their best. Very fast. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's kind of in the in the mould of some other players that haven't yeah. quite been able to turn it on when things are not going their way because they're just not as big as the other massive midfielders such as Nat Fife, uh, Dustin Martin, hmm. Gary Ablett, Cripps. Uh, Cripps, Paddy Dangerfield was the one I was yeah. looking for. Yeah, they're just they don't have that go Yeah, they're not quite that that A-grade midfielder above the rest of the comp. There's definitely a lot of potential in that team, but um, yeah, they just need a couple more years to mature a bit more and to come together more as a group. But um, yeah, you really feel like, you know, they're just lacking something. Like, I hope they continue to lack mm. something for this weekend because the Pies have them and I'd like them mm. to beat uh, the Saints. So if they just, again, if they want to hold off for finding any good form, uh, be the week after, please. What are your thoughts on Jack Billings' form at the moment, Jim? Oh, he's been shocking. He's fallen off the face <laughs> of the earth. A former number three draft pick who can't kick. Uh, it's just it's terrible for his form. I mean, he came into some really good form last year after a few injury-riddled seasons, uh, and he was just he was really highly touted at the start of this year, ready to go massive. Uh, just wasn't able to do it, and hasn't been able to to do it so far. He's not finding the footy either. He's He's only got 15 touches on the weekend and he's not really racking them up too big and not kicking goals. 
And he only had one point, so he's not even having many set shots at goal, so he's not really doing too much. Yeah, Jimmy Webster, the only St. Kilda player to get over the 30 touches, whereas mm. uh, Fremantle Dockers had four, Blakely, Langdon, Fife, and Neil. So, you know, the Dockers were just too good in this game, in a really good game to help, um, you know, keep them in the mix for a finals berth, potentially. They're in mm. 12th spot now on the ladder, so, you know, this was a really important game for them to win. Yeah, Connor Blakely as well uh, continues to rack up the touches, another 35 touches on the weekend. Uh, fantastic for Freo. Luke Ryan, another really strong player in his second year as well, had the 27 touches. Uh, really strong by him. So, Brenda, you had the votes for this game. How did you call it? Who did you give your one to? I gave my one vote to Connor Blakely, who had 35 touches and 11 marks. So he had a strong game, only one tackle, but still he did enough in other areas to garner the one vote. Two votes I gave to Lockie Neal, who had 32 and one goal. Uh, and then Nat Fife, who had one goal as well, but just a few more touches at 36 touches. So I gave him the three. I think Nat Fife's impact in the match was much higher as well. Yeah. He had, how many contested them he had? 13. Oh, sorry. 13 he clearances he had. He had 20, 20, 25 contested. 25. Yeah. I thought it was 21. Wow. 25 contested possessions. That's massive. Mm-hmm. We were talking before... Ben Cunnington got 32. Uh, no one had ever gotten 30 before that, so Nat Fife almost broke the record himself as well. So a fantastic effort from him, and he's right up there in the Brownlow race and the JLS Player of the Year award race. Well, mentioning Ben Cunnington, Jim, is a good segue into the second-last game, the first game on the Sunday. Uh, we had oh, a bit of a tight one. The Tigers, 12-10-82, besting the... Luckless North in this game, 11-6-72, just 10-point margin. Um, Cunnington, as you were just saying, had a huge game. Oh, he was massive. 32 contested possessions, 38 possessions in total. He was fantastic. Clearly North's best player. Um, muscled the ball forward at every opportunity. Um, the Tigers were really impressive in this match for me. I thought they were challenged late uh, and just... As it has been always this year, teams have been sticking with them and sticking with them, and then all of a sudden, the Tigers can just break them. Just because they just are on the contest just 24-7. They do not let up. So it was just a fantastic effort from Richmond. Alex Rance was fantastic. Trent Cochran, amazing. Even with a quiet game from Dustin Martin, who was held really well by Ben Jacobs. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Ben Jacobs is forming up a really good... Resume in terms of players who he he's able to lock down and keep and keep under wraps and um you know the kangaroos they've exposed a bit of a uh, a, a bit of a weakness in that if you stick a tag on Dusty he does actually have a quiet game Dusty with only the sixteen disposals this week didn't impact the scoreline at all so and five clangers as well so one in every three touches he had he gave it over so there you go under so much pressure yeah, so have the kangaroos exposed a bit of a chink in the yeah. Richmond uh, defence. Maybe so, but really it just showed the strength of Richmond for mine, just being able to to move past that and to rely on other players such as Josh Caddy kicking the five goals. Trent Cochran was amazing. So I think they're just so strong at the moment, Richmond, that they're able to um, break anyone who comes near them. I've just got a fun fact I've just discovered as well. As we were talking before with the uh, NBA finals going at the moment, we were talking about the elusive quadruple-double and in this game, Nick Vloston was two tackles off getting the quadruple-double. He had 16 kicks, 10 handballs, 12 marks, and 8 tackles. Do you want to just explain to the viewers who may not know what the quadruple-double is, what the quadruple-double is? Well, the quadruple-double is when you get over 10 in four different statistical categories. So, so much like a basketball. Like, an, like a basketball one where they get 
uh, points, assists, rebounds, and steals or blocks. One of those. But this in the one that's kicks, handballs, marks, and tackles. So Vlosten had a big game all around. Just to fact check you again, Jim. Sorry, Josh Caddy had four goals, not five. Oh, did I say five? My apologies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ben Cunnington, huge game. Contested possession game was huge. I think you boys were saying... It was, it was the most contested possessions yeah, ever, yeah. yeah no one had ever hit the 30 mark and he got 32, which was unbelievable. Huge. He was living in the pack. He was. Yeah. Jimmy, had the votes for this game? How'd you I go? did. Uh, I gave the first vote to uh, Josh Caddy. I uh, thought he was unbelievable, especially late. Kicked a fantastic goal late. Um with the four goals, as uh, Jordan corrected me earlier, uh, I thought he was fantastic. I gave the one, uh, two votes to Ben Cunnington. I very almost gave him three votes. Um, as we said, over at the, the amount of contested possessions and possessions. But the three votes I gave to Trent Cotron, thought he led from the front really well. Notice that, uh, Cotron, um, that Martin was getting the tag and really needed to step up. And if he didn't step up, they weren't going to win this match. Kicked a really good goal late as well. Uh, to get him home. So you I could, thought... You could see from this game how... Um, so unlucky by North to only lose by 10 points there, but um, Richmond too strong. So we'll lead into the next game with Jordan's Pies versus the Geelong Cats. What oh, do you think? Uh, just, you know, Collingwood must have been watching some tapes from the past four years in terms of their goal kicking because this was an atrocious scoreline to watch. Uh, Collingwood going down 9-12-66... 5-15-45. This is disgusting. Really, really poor game by us. Um, I mean, only went down by the 21 points, which is a bit of a modest score line. Yeah, it was a very low-scoring game, wasn't it? Yeah, a very, very scrappy game. It was a, the 21 scoring shots to 20, but um, just we just couldn't convert. I mean, we had so many players. Trelaw, three behinds. Dan- Daniel Wells in his return game, three behinds. Good to have Daniel Wells back. But um, just couldn't hit the score line. Both teams were actually quite... Uh, ineffective in front of goals. Uh, And it could have been a different story if we were on because the game in itself was pretty even around the ground. Defensively, both... very even, yeah. Defensively, both teams played very, very well. I commend the Collingwood defenders. Jack Crisp, Matty Scharenberg and Taylor Adams, Jeremy Howe all played really strong games on the weekend, so credit to them. Um, Clint Appleby was very good as well. He was. For a young player, he, he held his own. Fantastic. And a bit of an odd shout-out, too, to Chris Main, who actually played a strong game. Had the 25 disposals, nine tackles. Um, he was actually one tackle off the elusive quadruple-double. That's double. what I was about to say. Yeah. So, so of all the people to be getting such a prestigious title of the quadruple-double, Chris Main is a bit of a left-field one. But Chris Main actually, in the past three weeks, he's stepped it up each game. And he's actually, you know, with a performance like that, you would probably expect him to see him line up Next week. Yeah, I would think so as well. Um, Gary Ablett was back to the tricks of old. 32 disposals and kicked a goal as well. Um, he just came back into the side and looked like he never left, did he? I know. Uh, him and Dangerfield, Duncan, Selwood all pulled together a strong game. Men a goal as well with the, with the 24 disposals and three goals. He had a fantastic game, Sam Menegola. Pies missing Pendlebury in the midfield there. You just feel when he came out that the Cats would have a bit more of an upper hand in this game, which they did. Pies, though, I will say, were injury-ridden. Uh, lost Darcy Moore early in the second quarter with hamstring. His injury, he's re-injured his hamstring. And Tom Phillips with a concussion as well. So out on legs a bit towards the end of the game in a scrappy game. I mean, two... Two rotations down. I mean, there's not much that you can do there. Players will get tired quickly. But we just couldn't convert, which is really disappointing. Hopefully a bit of a, you know, uh, go and reset 
uh, for next week up against the Saints. I'd hope, you know, I'm expecting Penelby to be back because he pulled out with soreness just before the start of the game. So hope to have him back next week. Brody Grundy, second half from him. Massive, absolutely huge. Yeah. Absolutely massive game from Brody Grundy. I'm very keen. I mean, Zach Smith and he were quite even in the first half of the game. Uh, Brody Grundy, he ended up with a 42 hit outs to Zach Smith's 20. So doubled him, bested him well. Um, looking forward to the round, I think it might be 9 or 10 clash. Maybe even 11, sorry. I don't know when the game is. But Max Gorn v Brody Grundy on Queen's Birthday Clash. That's going to be great. That'll yeah, be that'll be fantastic. You don't know when that is, Brendo? And, uh, let me just check. It's not for a while. It's not for a bit? That's yeah. all right. Uh, shout out to Adam Trelaw as well. Had a really strong game. 34 disposals and three behind. So it could have been a massive game by him. Uh, speaking about Adam, Adam Trelaw, what, what did you think of the votes? Did you give, uh, get Adam Trelaw in there? He did. He, he did. He snuck in with the one vote because, yes, he was on the losing team, but, you know, played a strong game regardless. Had yeah, the highest... four disposals. Yeah. Well. Had, if he kicked those three goals, it could have been a very different story. Yeah, well, he could have... Yeah, he could have been close to winning them the game if he actually kicked the three goals. He actually had the most disposals on the ground of any player. So, shout out to Adam there. I gave the two votes to Sam Menegola. 24 disposals and three goals. Played a really strong game at half forward. Really dangerous. Just adds to that midfield that, that the Cats have. They're just unstoppable. When they're on, they are on. And, of course, I had to give the three votes to Gary Ablett. Back to his usual standards. 32 disposals, five marks. Just two tackles, but a goal to his name as well. The um, Queen's birthday clash is also round 12, just to let you know. Round 12, yeah. So we'll look forward to that clash between Grundy and Gorn then. All right. Well, that wraps up round eight. It was a really good round, really entertaining round. We we talked about the potential game of the year, some really big stories coming out of it, uh, no less than the Bombers, GWS's long injury list, the Hawks not being able to get the job done against Sydney. Uh, it was just a really entertaining round. This coming week, uh, my pick for game of the round has to be the final game with the Eagles taking on Richmond at Optus Stadium, a top-of-the-table clash. It really looks to be a good one. Yeah, there's a few good games this week to come up. I mean, like a couple of really tight contests, you feel. Uh, even North Melbourne and the Giants is, is going to be a good game because, you know, North not playing that too, North not playing not too shabby and Giants with a few injuries. So that'll be a close game to watch for sure. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a good chat. We had a, a really good interview with Braden today. Thanks, Brendan, for joining me. Thank you, Jordan, for joining me. Cheers for having me on, Jim. Thanks, Jimmy. Up the blue baggers. Had to. And cut. Had, had to. It was one last one. Had to do it. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening to Stuck on Sport. The Tigers are going to win the Premiership in 